0: 29th of November so this week we have the sixth ray to deal with some of you may have tried to look at the ray lines and work this out for yourself I hope somebody's tried it it's going to be a bit difficult this particular ray is not that easy when it comes to the physical plane and people it's easy the emotions, <coughs> desire, selfishness, sensuality, uh, all of those types of things that cause misery and hatred and unloving actions and high devotion and and glamour. All these qualities you know well, the way that the Sixth Way distorts the mind always lies because it always distorts the mind in terms of itself. And... Um, it's also the personal will, the will to take, achieve, manipulate for the self, for the person, for the I. And, of course, it's the array that governs all the devotees, the religious types, that endeavouring to achieve enlightenment, God, whatever else is in their religious quest. So... For the average individual, the sixth ray is relatively easy to understand. But from the point of view of the initiate, from the point of view of the higher varieties of life, it's not so easy. It's actually quite a a good ray and a difficult ray, both at the same time. It's the ray of high energization. And it's the high energization that produces the distortions, the testings, the trials, the tribulations in a disciple's life. It throws out whenever one is energised and starts to meditate, for instance, work upon themselves and receive these high energies from inner plane sources. They throw out these sicknesses, diseases, the samskaras, that the disciples all have to deal with the intensities of mind, and it also produces strong emotion, and devotion, and it can also produce the hatreds of the fanatics, the martyrs, the the zealots that um, will make war for their religion, that are willing to blow themselves up for a noble cause. So you can see that quite easily if you invert the salutary tree or religious bigotry, and put it upwards towards divinity, towards the achievement of liberation with proper knowledge, with proper understanding, then it will quickly lead you to high revelatory sources, quickly lead you to enlightenment. (coughs) Therefore, the Sixth Relay always produces this battlefield, the battlefield of a disciple. It's exemplified in the sign Scorpio, the sign of the battling disciple. Normally sex, sexuality, and all of the distortions and perversions of sex and sexuality uh, have to be dealt with with regards to the Sixth Ray and its energizations, exemplifications. Therefore you have in our wonderful world of religious aspirants all types of religions based on concepts of sexuality. The Muslims with the veil that women have to wear and the specific laws prescribing what women can do, the same with the Hindu religion, the same with the Christian religion, the same with the Jewish religion. It goes on and on in the Muslim religion. The Buddha tried hard not to have women ordained in Buddhism so you can see that, um, and then it produces the Inquisition and the whole horrors to do with Inquisition and the witch trials and the burnings and uh, this whole energization, wrongly faceted energization, or producing the beast of desire coming out in all forms. We also know it as the energy that vitalizes the astral plane. The astral plane is the heaven and hell states of all the religions and where people go to when they die. And um, later on you'll discover that the astral plane is only a field of service. It's an illusional field and there are higher domains. And later on in the life of the higher initiates, the astral plane does not exist. Only as a field of service. You don't go to it when you die. You go to the higher mental domain or higher. These particular 16 statements, therefore, do not really relate to any of that, except indirectly. And most of you that have actually looked at this in Institute psychology said to yourself, why 16? Why not another number like 14 or 12 or some logical... You can look at all sorts of combinations of the way it is to be. I didn't expect any of you to actually understand this ray line properly from the esoteric perspective, though from the exoteric, which I've just described, which is also esoteric for the world's disciples, believe me, what you've just learned, that is the the most esoteric teachings out there. Read the books, you'll find out. The, The high esotericism is not at all revealed and known or known one can ask why was Jesus crucified Jesus being the sixth ray lord demonstrating (coughs) cosmic love for humanity that way why not a second ray disciple surely a second ray (coughs) disciple would um, more rightfully be overshadowed by the cosmic Christ not a sixth ray disciple great mystery here yes the mystery of the Christ, or Christ Jesus. Christ being the second ray principle, the Lord of Love, and Jesus being the sixth ray vehicle. There was a similar symbolism in the Bhagavad Gita to deal with Krishna and Arjuna, where we had Krishna, the blue Christ, seen in the Lord of Love, seen in his blue colouring that the Hindus always paint him as, and Ajuna, the charioteer, his charioteer that took Krishna as his lord, rather than something like 40, or I forget the number, 60,000 soldiers to fight the battle of Kurukshetra. He rightfully chose the lord of love as his guide, rather than a huge army to fight his battle. And with the advice given from the Lord of Love, he won. Jesus was Arjuna. He is the chariteer of the Christ principle. Does anyone here think they know or understand why this is so? Why cosmically you get a sixth-rate disciple having to bear cosmic love into manifestation? Doesn't the
1: love principle have to be reflected down to the... Into the astral plane,
0: so that it can be energised by the SP and spread. That's part of it. The world, That's you know? part of it. It's a good way. The love principle must fix up the world's devotees, world the world's emotional battlefield. Is this
1: is a ray of sacrifice? No.
0: It's, the ray, it's a ray of sacrifice, yes. Sacrifice sanctifies. It's very good, also. And therefore, the bearer on the cross or the one on the cross, sacrificed himself for the salvation of the many. What you have to understand is that the cosmic astral plane from whence the energy of love comes is passed via the plane Anupadaka in and finds its line of resistance onto the systemic astral plane via the sixth ray. Therefore the lord of love is the Logos that's incarnate on cosmic astral, in cosmic astral substance. And what we call love is the energy that comes from that source. Emotional energy of a, a logos. And it's logoic desire that causes the appearance of an earth system such as ours, or a solar system, or even a cosmos. It's the desire principle that brings that into incarnation. What is the desire for a Logos is liberating love for a humanity evolving within the womb of that Logos' feminine principle. Therefore, the bearer of the sixth ray, or the lord of the sixth ray, bears that energy into manifestation at a certain stage when humanity are actually ready to understand what this principle of love really is. And that, we know, happened about 2,000 years ago. And it's taken a whole sum of evolution to bring... Humanity to a point where they can begin to comprehend and bear the Christ energy, the love principle, and therefore the sacrifice. Whereas in the battlefield of Arjuna, it was not anchored, it was, the war was still going on. And um, what was it that um, allowed the incarnation of love? It's the development of the wisdom principle. The Old Testament says therefore you know, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. We had to first bring in the old philosophers of ancient Greece and, of course, the prime source of wisdom for our times, the Buddha, bringing in the religion of wisdom. Later on, it... Um, evoked or evolved the Bodhisattva ideal in the Mahayana development about the time when Jesus died on the cross. It's good to see the the cross currents between the two religions, left and right the left foot is the western world and in hierarchy connects into the west and in the right foot is the eastern world and hierarchy connects into the east and the two complement each other, Ida and Pingala. So all of these statements really relate to the methodology of the expression of logoic desire into our systemic planes. To inundate or flood Humanity with what we call love, unifying love. And as usual in all of these statements, the first seven statements relate to the seven sub-rays of the sixth ray and the way high initiates, that is, lords of Shambhala, wield them. I'd love to actually, with all of these statements write a book on it um, would be um, a far more detailed explanation of these rays and sub-rays than I can give to you in words because then one reflects more and gives more diagrams and much more information. However I don't have time to write books on, on the translation or the explanation of all of DK's esoteric statements they all have numerical coding to them And there's a vast amount of information stored, as you begin to see, in a very few words. I once tried to um, encode or decipher the seven race statements in Esoteric Psychology, which is the passage where he writes about the race. It's in smaller font than the normal. That's a quote from the old commentary. And I got about halfway through Ray 1 and it took about 30 or 40 more pages and I said, no, this, this is going to take me a year or more, or two years, to write about. And I was not willing at that time to go into it. And I still am not. I'm hoping that some of you have this ability. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to most of you having more of the 6th Ray but not in a distorted Fashion, where it goes straight to the SP and produces all those gunky emotions, extremisms of mind, emotional mind that most of you display, and it costs us so much time to have to deal with. So, what is the first first sub-ray of this particular ray line? That DK calls it the negator of desire." Well, of course, you know that the six-ray energy is the source of your desires if you wish so when it's attached to U.S.P. and focused downwards with your if you're sacral or you're drawing the sacral centre up to the SP oh, there's a whole mass and range of desires that can come to astound you and keep you incarnate for hundreds of lives thousands of lives even per for solar systems for others oh, a non-stop incarnation because of this wonderful stuff pain, suffering, pain, suffering hell, heaven, heaven, hell over and over again yes Uh, but people seem to like this stuff this energy and makes them happy so there's a smile on their face while they have all these desires for things but really when you're on the path the desires must go but what desire are we talking about at this level yes of course we can bring down the first ray energy through the sixth. Can you imagine that potency? Most of you would actually go a wall of desire if you had that combination. The first ray is through the sixth. Very, very potent. But it's... Yes, you can use this energy to negate your desire, but it's best to use the mind. The logic of the mind saying, oh, this is going to cause me pain and suffering. This is going to sort of produce lots of karma. This is no good. It does not lead anywhere fantastic. So you use your mind to negate desire. What's indicated here is logoic desire. Remember we talked about a logos... Creating or forming a world sphere such as the earth and desires see little human bodies sort of struggling through their petty personal selves over ions of development until eventually they begin to see what it's all about. Attachment to phenomenal things is not where it's at. Disattachment to any of that is what it's really at. Therefore, seek liberation, seek enlightenment detached from desire. But this Logoic desire ah, uh, look at that what is Logoic desire? It's that which is going to sustain this entire world sphere until every person on this planet will gained enlightenment. It's a long long time isn't it? Yes, a long long time indeed and some poor Logos has to suffer all of that, be attached to that creation Until it's all done, until it's all been achieved. This is the Bodhisattva vow never to cease striving until all sentient beings have been released from suffering. Great Bodhisattva. So once the form has been established and human beings start to struggle in this material domain, then the negation of desire begins more and more first-ray energy can come through the sixth-ray in order to teach this first, the human beings what not to do. So you can energize the first-ray working through the sixth-ray and human beings go out with desire, they produce all sorts of terrible acts, and then they have to suffer the consequence. Eventually they learn what not to do. And as they learn what not to do, it negates... Lagoic desire because human beings overcome their limits to form. Does this make sense to you? So, inflamed on the plane at eye are certain lords in Shambhala that deal with this first sub-ray, energy of the sixth ray, pouring it occasionally into humanity to produce war-like activity or heightened sexual activity so that they learn the lessons thereby. Remember always that the six ray is a martial energy. It's energy. It energizes. And most people are emotionally and can be quite aggressive. Nations against nations, all of this is really a six ray potency. So whenever the first ray comes through the sixth ray, you nearly always have war or aberrations of um, people's sexuality or rampant desire or rampant magic. Or it can go right into the mineral kingdom and when it does that, then you'll have um, the convulsions on this earth and such things as earthquakes, the great flood that sank Atlantis. Huh. One six energy or six one, yes. The energy of the six ray is watery. We're talking about cosmic waters, the high potent cosmic energy that that liberates. In um, Buddhism, it's called bodhicitta, pouring onto the earth. You can only bear so much of it because you actually have to produce forms that can handle it without it producing aberration. Okay, so when it hits humanity it produces aberration and the aberrations produce the consequences, the consequences teach and then there's another cycle of teaching and another cycle of teaching until eventually individuals learn to let go of desire and they look upwards to the higher planes. So this is the first subray. The second subray of course, now we're looking at the plane of the darker, and the way that the love principle works with this. Now, we with this energy, we saw that love is a little bit different than cosmic astral. There's another form of energy which comes from the cosmic buddhic plane working through such stars as Sirius, which is a deep blue unifying energy. Whereas the... Astral energy is what more to do with precipitation, with creation, with the appearance of forms and the struggle of forms with each other. Cosmic desire is love, but there is another form that is united with wisdom. The one who sees the right. When we use the term the right, we're talking about the right-hand path versus the left hand path you can see here that this distinction between the dark brotherhood and the white brotherhood comes into play why is this? because the dark brotherhood have ridden along this six ray line all the way into cosmic space they're masters of it the great forms that most of you are battling out there when you're zapping are dark brotherhood on the cosmic astral and their reflections into the systemic astral. This energy of the second sub-ray of the sixth ray is the energy that you must develop to only see the right and not the left. You zap the dark brotherhood with this energy, in other words, to overcome the cosmic astral forms of illusion plus those of the systemic astral plane. Is that the with love. This is the vitalisation of the entire Pingala Nadi stream in our Earth system. Let's just limit this on the whole, mostly to the Earth. I'm looking forward to when most of you will begin to think in terms other than just Earth evolution, and when you do read My Secret Doctrine, you'll love it because it gives you the evolutions and all the other planets within the solar system. Wonderful stuff. But right now, we'll try to think this in terms of earth. So, the one who sees the right. The one, therefore, who vitalizes hierarchy. Wherever there's an embodied hierarchy, there this energy comes to vitalize them with love. And then this energy then is fed to all the little ones struggling in the field of service or in the field of activity. And we're not just talking about human units. We can look at the plant kingdoms specifically that are are vitalized with this energy of cosmic water. It's that which nourishes them all. What the divas use. What gives the divas such great joy? It's this particular energy. Basically, I just want you to understand the difference between the right and the left-hand path and here at this particular 2nd subplane, <coughs> in a sense, there is no left-hand path. It's all the right. Pingala. The Pingala Nadi stream that flows into the whole planetary manifestation. So the one who sees the right relates to that which vitalizes the heart center of a planet. That which makes, you know, the heart is life. Therefore, it gives life to a planetary system and specifically to the plant kingdom. It produces the radiance of the sun. Now, the visioner of reality is the third sub-ray of this particular ray line. The third sub-ray is this ray of divine mathematical exactitude. It brings in the element of the mind and automatically brings in the Deva kingdom, the atma, the manifestation of karma in the way that karma plays throughout time and space and whenever you think of the sixth ray you've got to look at that which vitalizes that which moves (coughs) things along it's spiral cyclic motion it's the field of energy it's what energy is energy is impartial it's what you do with it that produces the problems if you let the energies flow into your lower centers it stimulates your desire if you direct it to the heart it awakens great vision of enlightened space, of the masters of wisdom. It produces great revelations illumination, it's the revelations of inner plane reality, that which is revealed when you travel through the sun, Lord of Light. So the vision of reality is that according to the numbers which add up to 111, is that which can project Kranas to high cosmic space and downwards into manifestation. It also adds up to the number 30 which is the number of perfectment of mind, of the third ray. Whenever you get the concept of vision then it brings in the eye and the light. The light that reveals. And whenever you get the word light or anything to do with light then you have the mind and the substance of mind that reveals, that envisions, that sees. And you see with all of the eyes, we're not just talking about the two eyes in your head, but the third eye and the other chakras. At this particular stage, therefore, the eye that sees and therefore the divas that embody the substance of mind come into activity. And the whole... Creation frills with activity, frills with joy, as line after line of these diva hierarchies, these diva cohorts are energized with this energy of joy, pure Devic joy. And all of you that have contacted Devas know very well this joy. And they embody what we call reality. The reality of manifest space. Of manifestation, of that which is, that which the form veils. Wherever there is an appearance of something, there is reality and there are the divas that have clothed it. That's what you see when you vision. You see the form. You live in the energies, but you see the form. Now, most of you have probably had your mind sort of wrapped around this fourth sub ray line um, called the Divine Robber. It sort of almost reminds me of a statement of Jesus uh, to do of the, the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, the, the second coming, as the, as the Christians call it um, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. And he's referring to this particular subray energy. And Mercy would say, A thief in the night? That's actually not that hard to understand because um, the night is the, the darkness of your ignorance, or what is your ignorance? And then the thief comes to steal your ignorance. It comes at a time when you least expect it. He's really referring to the way enlightenment manifests, the flash of revelation, the flash of enlightenment. Whenever you get a lovely inspirational thought coming out of nowhere. This type of theft is you're busy sort of going along with your, I was going to say boring, but I, I suppose I should say exciting lifestyle and all of a sudden a flash comes into your head and it steals all that away from you. You've got to do something else. (laughs) You're motivated to do a different chore, a different thing for God. So it steals the crassness or the crappiness of your mind. Now, the divine robber, this particular type of theft, goes two ways, because it's the fourth plane and it's the sixth ray energy. So the fourth subplane is harmony through conflict or the fourth ray, but it's the mirror. And the mirror reflects the three subplanes of divinity into the three subplanes of manifestation, of concretion. So it reflects... Either it takes the energies from above and projects them downwards in order to illumine those that living in night in the darkness of ignorance, or it takes the energies that are down there and transforms them, transmutes them with the high energy of cosmic love and directs it upwards into the abstract realms and therefore causing your... Awakening, you start to become feeling something like God, illumined, awakened, not living in the substance of your sheafs. so this concept of the divine robber is quite a beautiful and if you think that you 're standing at this mirror like wisdom taking from one and giving to the other something like robbing hood. <laughs> The numbers here add up to 84, which is, translates as Libra. And it means always karma, cycle after cycle revolving. So this particular theft is the theft of your karma. It cleanses that for you as the energies come through from cosmic astral plane. It produces the, the cycles of activity that free you from impediment, free you from imperil. Or it can produce those cycles of activity that entrap, imprison you in deeper and deeper samskaras in materiality and desire. Which way do you want to go? This divine robber will rob you of your spirituality or it will rob you of your materiality. It's impartial. If you really want to look at these seven ray statements, you're really looking at Ray Lord's In Shambhala, they embody these qualities. They channel these energies. The fifth sub-ray quality is called the devotee of life. Why is this? I mean, it's quite easy to see when you look at the numbers. They get up to 81 and 18, in other words, that which produces the second initiation. You can only take initiation as you develop your mind. In other words, you've got to bring in the fifth ray. It's along the path of initiation, along the path of developing the mind, overcoming strong desires, your attachments to forms, your attachments to sensuality, your attachments to materialism. Overcoming all of those things can you become an initiate. And you must bring in (laughs) the energy of cosmic love as you do so. The energy of cosmic love by way of your mind Liberates because it causes detachment to all of those things you were formerly attached to. Because after all, everything to do with the form is transitory, illusional, not really worth hanging on to. It's something like in the Zen Koan, the sound of one hand clapping. It's a meaningless thing. Of course, the sound of one hand clapping really is sunyata. But it's similar sunyata and samsara the one thing. Samsara is also that sound, because you want to grasp all of it, you want to hear it, you want it to be around you, it's transient, it's gone. Every time you think there's another thought that comes, takes its place, don't hang on to anything, because it's not going to last. So this um, devotee of life, therefore, it's the production of the initiate via the devotion that the second degree initiate must develop to the concepts of love, to the concepts of divinity, to the concepts of relinquishing one's attachments to form and material things. And often those passing through the second and always must go through a huge battlefield to deal with elimination of desires. And they can be quite fanatical until they've taken the second. And once they've taken the second, they can be trusted to be lovers of God, or lovers of humanity. So, the devotee of life, this fifth sub-ray of the sixth ray, and all of you, I hope, are devotees of life. Life, of course, is seen in this whole multidimensional universe all around you, and you are love with it, you are there to help it, to assist it, help it evolve, help it attain divinity. You become the serving disciple. Now, the sixth sub-ray, now we've got the sixth sub-ray of the sixth ray with cosmic astral energy pouring through, it produces fanatics, it produces the martyr, it produces stellism, uh, zealotism, and here he says the hater of forms and we're not really talking about sort of um getting a uh, you know sort of a dynamite and blowing people up and uh, and doing all that sort of catastrophic thing what we're really talking about is the zealous devotee that is so enamored with the concept of god the concept of divinity that they really do not care about their physical forms much at all. It's all one-eyed upwards, one-faceted, one-focused. Nothing but God, your true mystical endeavour. So they become the yogi in the forest, like Chaitanya um, that were just so raptured with God they just walked around mostly in a dream state thinking only of divinity and some great poets Rumi or whatever just writing and writing with this type of vision it's the mystical vision supreme so that needs to be tempered with a bit of wisdom if it's tempered with wisdom it just the right attitude and if there's no wisdom then we have the fanatical zealot Therefore, first, before this ray really comes into manifestation, we have wisdom needed to be developed. And we all know, or most of you should know by now, that there's no really such thing as the astral plane. It's the illusion. Therefore, this particular sixth sub-ray works to destroy the astral plane. All the images and glamours and that exists there on can you think of the fanatical warrior working to destroy people 's astral hells that 's sort of like this energy that comes through, and of course, it can only really come at a relatively advanced stage of human development it 's really will only manifest in this new epoch when second ray is dominant. At this stage, when this energy would manifest, we produce war and warlike tendencies and hatred and we don't need that in humanity anymore than it's already there. They're quite capable of developing these qualities without having this type of energy pouring through into them from the cosmic astral. Cosmic astral energy means... Death of the form, this cosmic second ray, and then the seventh sub ray is called the warrior on the march. And the numbers here: the hundred and seven and seven times, oh, thirty-five. <laughs> Incidentally, the numbers of Hato form adds up to thirteen times six, and the thirteen is really this um, sphere of activity, and six is the six-ray energy working through it to push. It's the low Goic form, it's the circle of the dot in the centre. And it's that which um, pushes the sun-like, the sun of God, into manifestation. It's the energy of the sun blazing forth to produce the ending of forms, the nuclear explosion, if you want. And 24, which is the energy of Taurus you can see with regards to these numbers that they all quite explicit and explain the the statements very well, Like the worry on the March, the numbers add up to one hundred and seven. This is the seventh statement relates to the seventh ray dispensation of the sixth ray, and you get a hundred plus seven, right? which means the seventh ray on a large scale. and thirty five, which is seven times five, it's the mind, and it's the mind that, that's on the march. And why is the warrior on the march? Either it's on the march like a marauding army to conquer all things. Once the seventh sub-ray of the sixth ray manifests in an initiate, they are one focus to serve. All of their energies is on the march to help, to heal, to protect. And this particular sixth ray energy, incidentally, is healing energy. It's the prime energy in many ways that people do use to heal because 95% of people's suffering and sicknesses and diseases (laughs) is based on their emotions, based on the stupidity of what they do with their emotions. And the six-ray disciple, the warrior on the march, has the antidote to all of those stupid things that makes them sick, that produces the mental illnesses and so forth. So, you can see if it hits the planet as a whole, it produces the battlefield, clash of civilizations. The army, you can think of a Roman army with their little swords and their, their red sort of cloaks on, the, you know, fighting each other with swords. That's the energy. It's not so much modern weaponry with. You know, a five-ton bomb sort of rains from, from planes in the sky and <laughs> knocks out a block of... and that's it. It's really a lot of emotional energy on the, on the physical plane with people fighting on a large scale with their short swords and arrows and things. That's the type of match. And you can think of it, what is this warrior really overcoming? It's the machinizations of the Dark Brotherhood. They're fighting the mind, seven times five, the number 35 lords of mind, lords of materialistic might lords of selfish intent on the march and this energy comes in and they use it to zap the zapping energy, this is the 6-7 type of energy power on the physical plane real power to zap and power to get things done If you're a busy executive and you've got to get a lot of things done, this is the energy for you. If you actually want to achieve things on the physical plane, have the six, seven. As long as you're wise and you've controlled your emotions, um, you'll just power on, on the march, to achieve your set assignment. Whether it's to go to university and become a, a professor or whether it's to make a zillion dollars in business enterprise or whatever it is. Um, this energy will get you there, get you to achieve. Selfish intent, brilliant, but for spiritual purpose, yes, zap away the DB to become enlightened. Aspire upwards, master the physical plane. And you can see that it also produces those types of um, zealots that can blow themselves up as well, like the Muslims did they got the sword and they conquered half the world certainly that whole Middle East area all the way to the gates of Vienna within a very, very, very short period of time a couple of hundred years they spread out from their main base in Mecca and they took over, what, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Baghdad um, they took on all of North Africa got into Spain and up that way the other ways across the Bosphorus Straits into Europe conquering and to conquer the 6-7 energy the warrior on the march think of Genghis Khan suddenly with his Mongol hordes um, conquering all of Asia again to the gates of Vienna, <laughs> um from China all the way through The warrior on the march, we've been a very short period of time. 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, and masses of people have been slaughtered. Six, seven energy. Beautiful stuff. Now, think of it as, as a disciple, and what you do with that energy. That's this particular quality. The problem after this, it gets very complicated, And most of you would have um, been stumped, probably, if you actually looked at this. Though you looked at some really lovely um, words, phrases, the sword-bearer of the Logos, the upholder of the truth, the crucifier and the crucified, the breaker of stones, the imperishable flaming (coughs) one, One, the one whom naught can turn, the implacable ruler, the general on the perfect way, and the one who leads the twelve. Yes, well, there's nine statements there, but really there's ten because we've got to add the worry on the march. It's the first. It doubles up. And then we get ten lovely statements that relate to the ten petals of the solar plexus and the potency of the solar plexus and you all know what the solar plexus energy is how potent it is, how powerful it is in your life and how much you're battling it in order to become disciples how much you must fight its fort form generating tendencies and desires that come from it however, a higher way of looking at the solar plexus is that it's simply a Shambhala it's the mandala of Shambhala it's also a head center, but it's a solar plexus center from another perspective because it exists to absorb the impact of cosmic astral energies. Yes, think about it for a few minutes. The impact of cosmic astral energies takes all of the lords of Chambala to hold it into place, and they send the tiny little trickle. The, a trickle, trickle of it down to humanity. And when it does so, it produces all of our explosions, Genghis Khan on the march, and so forth. They use a tiny little portion of the energy of Shambhala that's contained in Sutu. There, very potent energy, the energy that transforms base metals into gold. So, if you receive your little bit of share of this energy, it can either turn you demonic and and mad. Or it can liberate you, depending on which way you want to use it. So the, the solar plexus centre, of course, I've done a diagram here, which some of you I'll try to show to you. It's just a matter of working out how to place these statements um, the solar plexus centre and um, it first starts off with two pentagrams one pointing downwards, the other pointing upwards because the solar plexus are ten pental lotus, and therefore it's got the interlates pentagrams the pentagrams is all that is in many ways as far as phenomenality goes it is the symbol of the mind in action and the mind can either go downwards into manifest space or upwards to the domains of divinity From atma down, atma, buddhi, manas, or the mental plane, the astral plane and the physical plane, we have five planes of perception. And these five planes of perception are the planes where karma unfolds and karma eventually must be eliminated. So the whole womb of space and time is governed by the number five and the pentagram. In the solar plexus governs it all. For the lords of Shambhala, their pentagram is focused downwards. For those of us, hopefully your pentagram is being focused upwards. Except a few that are just busy being attaching themselves to all the objects of the senses. The sense of sight, smell, taste, you know, those things. And I want, I need, I want for myself, I like, gotta have, gimme, gimme, gimme those five senses downwards pentagram turn them around transform all of those gimme 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 energies into I must give, I must serve I must sacrifice, my whole life is to help others Hmm? nothing to do with yourself only others then you've got, it's right and when you're like that then all these aphorisms apply to you these directions, incidentally, from the shambhalic point of view, esoteric, of course, it's only when it replies to a human unit that the problem arises, not from the shambhalic level of perception. Basically, when you understand the pentagram, there's a head, two arms, two feet. You've all seen that image of um, Leonardo da Vinci's within the circle. That wonderful image, and um, there you have it. That's what man is. The head, two arms, two feet, a pentagram. So when you're analysing the pentagram, you've got to analyse it in terms of those qualities. There's a right hand, hand, um, right hand foot, left hand hand, left hand foot, and then the head that integrates it all. And then you've got the five elements, the head, aifa, the right hand, air, the left hand, fire, and the um, right foot, the astral plane or water, and then the left, the earthy elements. So you've got the five elements, the five dimensions of perception, the five states of consciousnesses, the five sense perceptions, and the five transmuted wisdoms of the Dhyani Buddhas, everything involved in all of this integrated into one nice little package that you can tie a knot and say, voila, I know it all. When you understand the pentagram, you know it all. The warrior on the march is the left foot of the inverted pentagram. It's sort of logical, isn't it? It starts on the physical plane, on the march, you're the warrior. And then the sword-bearer of the logos is the right foot of the inverted pentagram. The upholder of the truth is the left hand of the inverted pentagram. And they're going in this order, it's nice order. And then the crucifying and the crucified is the right hand and then the head is the breaker of stones. That's a very good thing to do with your head. <laughs> Isn't it? Breaking stones. What well, are stones, of course, are thought forms. Things of your mind, the concretions of mind. And then... The next five, or the last five, of this particular Statements of Decays, and you can see it's lovely in order, always in perfect order, because that's the way an enlightened mind works, nothing out of place, is, uh, well, it's inverted. So let's start off with the head. (laughs) The head is uh, (coughs) the one who leads to 12. The right hand is the general in the perfect way. The left hand is the ruler. The, the right foot is the one whom not can turn and the left foot is the imperishable flaming one. Now all of you are saying to yourselves what does all that mean? The solar plexus centre yes also has ten petals and the ten petals project pranas to the various organs or various other chakras. So one's also looking at the way the planners are directed in relationship to the pentagram, in relationship to these elements. The left foot is called the imperishable flaming one. Now, the reason I'm starting with this is because it's a pentagram pointing upwards and therefore it has its feet on the ground. And the ground here, in terms of the psychosomatic chakras, the the chakras themselves, is the sacral centre. And from the sacral centre the Ida and Pingala Nadis are generated. And so the left foot is the Ida stream that works into the solar plexus centre. And the sacral centre, as you know, is the seat of desire proper. It's the body of energies. I won't go too much into the sacral centre, except that you know that it's the entire ida Nadi that's, that streams up. The ida is the, the domain of the mind. It's that which feeds the mind and everything to do with mind, manas, in our Sanskrit terminology. So this one here, therefore, um, the ida Nadi is the imperishable flaming one. Does this make sense to you? the element of mind is fire and this energy of fire is (coughs) imperishable and it's a flame and it takes its source from the fiery cauldron that's generated by the sacral centre and base of the spine combination on the base of the spine you also have this colony fire so this is the first of these energies that starts to ascend upwards. I don't need to um, say much more than that. The element is earth. Okay, the next one is the right foot of this pentagram and it calls it the one whom naught can turn. And this is the 13th of the statements. The one whom naught can turn is the Pingala Nadi stream. Nothing can turn it or deviate it from its path. This is the stream of consciousness itself, of the development of love-wisdom. Once you've developed love-wisdom, you can't sway from that path. You can't deviate. There's more to it, but this governs also the watery element from this particular pentagram that's pointing upwards. And the water is like a river that's just flowing onwards that's basically what a nadi is the translation is a river it's a flowing stream, a river from a higher perspective the um, nought can turn it really relates to a 6 degree initiate we can, and I could have gone into this more in terms of this higher initiation level, but it's one who the diva and the human Kingdoms have merged, fused into a unity. There's no more turning this way or that. There's just cosmic space. And it's this Pingala Nadi and the complete flow of the Pingala Nadi from its initial beginnings or genesis at this sacral central solar plexus level to make eventually the 6th degree initiate who has totally mastered this six-ray line and is ready to springboard off into cosmic astral space. The left hand is the implacable ruler, and this is a nadi that goes to the stomach centre, and it rules the domain of mind. If you can think of the hand itself, um, the left hand, the element fire which is the element of the mind, the stomach center, which is this place of storage of the pranas of the mind below the diaphragm. And Jenny produces hatred, vitriol, all those nasty, unpleasant, attacking, separative energies that people have. Lots of karma normally stored in the stomach center. And the stomach center is the implacable ruler When the mind rules and it's swayed by the emotions, it's implacable. It knows and nothing can tell it that it's wrong. It and only it knows. Everything is distorted. It will fight you, take any information, twist it out of all context because it is the king of its domain and it's implacable. You can't argue this is dogmatism to the nth degree with such an entity. Turn your back, walk away, leave them alone. They're normally fuming with hatred and spite and their dogma. Takes a long time to convert the stomach-centre rulers. You can see here, much DB karma. But when the mind is properly contained, infused with love, then it's also the ruler of the entire material domain. Everything that is governed by mind is ruled by it. Therefore, the sum total of the evolutionary process. It is mind in its own domain, the king of knowledge. And later on, of course, it produces mind of a capital M. The clear mind that is the enlightenment. There's no thoughts there, it is just mental substances absolutely clarified of any mental impression. When something impinges upon that, all the forces of mind automatically analyze it. Pristine purity of mind. That's the implacable ruler because it was a mental point that you needed implacable logic to actually withstand the forces of um, negative thinking Yeah, so it's clear reason the clear light of mind the fiery element so you can see the transformation of the vitriol of the stomach centre when the emotions rule and it's dogmatism scientific materialism to the nth degree this is the stomach centre the implacable ruler. And then that has to be transformed into the clear light of mind. And number 15, what a second last statement, is the general on the perfect way, and this is the right hand, and therefore producing the right hand nadis. And the energies go to the liver center, which is the general store of pranas of humanity itself. And what is this general and the perfect way? That which inevitably produces the fourth initiation. The fourth initiation via the temple, via the one who administers to the temples of divinity, does the sacraments, works of the living God. The perfect way, therefore, is the way of of initiation, using the hand therefore to serve, this is the right hand, the hand of gift giving, the hand of the Bodhisattva path the Bodhisattva path to never cease striving to all sentient beings have released from suffering, this is the perfect way the way of liberation and the general is the one who has mastered all aspects of the concept of giving. Because the sixth ray, at this level, is the ray of gift-giving. It produces pure devotion and service to the other, to the beloved, to all of humanity. As I said, that's what the liver centre is. The liver in most people is the store of pranas, all your good and bad pranas, all the toxins that you've taken from, say, meat-eating and whatever, it's all stored there. The general selfish intent of humanity, all of that karma is stored there. Not very nice pranas on the most part. A lot of people's livers get diseased as a consequence. Now, the fifth point on this pantad pointing upwards is the one who leads the twelve. This, of course, uh, has an allusion to Jesus and his twelve disciples. You all understand that Jesus was a six-ray kohan. He embodied the six-ray perfectly in that life. And around him there were twelve disciples of different rays and really some of the highest members of the hierarchy of incarnate, they weren't all the highest members of those twelve. There was a mandala <coughs> that was based on certain <coughs> other considerations. Nevertheless, the twelve petals of the heart centre are implied here, but in reality, where this particular prana goes is to splenic centre one. It's the twelve petals of the spleen that cleanses all of those discordant pranas in the body that cleanses the negativities in many ways the alchemical retort in the body and once they cleanse the spleen sends the cleansed pranas to the heart or else sends them back into the SP to recycle them because they can be utilised by the body or else it discards them through the lower centres, and they can cause lots of problems within the psyche. So this is the head, the one who leads the twelve. The one, in other words, who awakens the heart centre. Once you've worked at the transformation of the pranas, the heart centre can be awakened. This brings in the whole concept of the twelve signs of the zodiac and all the rest of that. So that's the pentad going upwards. The pentad going downwards has its head as the fifth of the statements, which is number 11 in that list, and it's called the breaker of stones. This particular petal leads to the pancreas, and the pancreas is a physical plane organ where the watery planners get crystallised, <laughs> so as they speak. The pancreatic juice is, is um, stimulated in order to help with digestion. Now, as I said before, this is the head of this whole pentad. What does it do? It breaks concrete foot of humanity, those dogmatic, assertive... For that just simply will not go away. Before we get to the head, the, the left foot of this particular inverted pentagram is the warrior on the march. And this particular <coughs> energy represents the Ida Nadi that goes to the heart centre. And so the warrior on the march is the march to the awakening of the full petals of the heart, the powers of love or love wisdom on the march. Whatever that heart centre represents to you, the warrior is on the march to the awakening of that, those powers. The full awakening, therefore, of hierarchy in your consciousness, the domain of shunyata but it's a left foot because it's still a warrior it's the mind on the march the mind to overcome samskaras the mind to gain the higher wisdom the higher knowledges that allows you to understand the laws of life, the laws of cosmos the nature of God and this left foot is the same foot uh, as the 7th foot of the ones that we've mentioned that were going down from the highest point this is the worry on the march. And the march is to awaken the heart centre in all living forms, in all of life. To impregnate the heart of human beings or the hearts of human beings with cosmic astral energies from God, the way of God. The march is downwards and the march is also upwards. They cross over at this point through this left foot. You can think of the left foot of God if you wish. So it's an inverted pentagram with the two feet on the higher planes of perception. Technically, it's the atomic plane, this left foot. Now, the right foot is the Pingala Nadi to the heart, and it's called the sword bearer of the Logos. And you can see quite clearly that this is Pingala to the heart. You are the warrior for the Lord, and the sword is the two-edged sword of right discrimination, cutter of illusions. All illusions must go, and the sword is used to penetrate the highest and deepest mysteries. It brings you first to the sunyata, or to buddhi, as you, we call it sometimes, and then to the Padaka. It brings you straight to your soul, the domain of your soul, the higher mental plane, the the main of the nexus between shunyata and samsara. And each disciple must become the sword-bearer of the Logos, the sword-bearer of God. They speak the truth, nothing there but truth. Veritical, straight upwards, it will not stand untruth. Distortions, lies, gossip, innuendos. Just simply, this is the truth, take it or leave it, and you move on. It knows, and it cuts very clearly the wheat from the chaff, the lies from that which is truthful. Straight up the Pingala Nadi. So we're going down from the higher plane, so we get left foot, right foot, the right foot in this case... If you want the left foot to be on the higher mental plane, the right foot is buddhi, Sunyata. And that's the best way of looking at it, though we could start at the higher plane and go down. We're going now to the left hand. It's the upholder of truth. It's the energies from the stomach center. So after the stomach center and all its... Um, hatreds have been gurgitated and cleansed then what is left of the mind is only the truth and it upholds the truth quite staunchly this is the ninth of the statements coming from above down it wields the energy of fire again whereas the sword bearer of the Logos wields the energy of water in this case it's cosmic water cosmic love um, and the warrior on the march Wheels the energy, the earthy energy of the Logos, which is the mental plane. The upholder of truth is the one that can forge the path to the high domains of Shambhala and link it up with samsara. And the tenth statement on the list, or the f- fourth on on this particular list which is the right hand wielding the airy element is called the crucifier and the crucified and it's the energy that comes in from the liver centre after the liver centre has been cleansed so the right hand crucifies and is the crucified what is it that crucifies of course it's this energy of the cosmic astral plane, cosmic love. It comes and crucifies like I am with you, crucifies the slackness, sloviness, the emotionalities, etc of disciples, tells them to lift their game, sets the testings. It's the crucible of experience, the energy that produces the turning of the wheel of your incarnations. It brings in, therefore, the testings of discipleship. The right hand, if you want, of God. It's what the energy that comes through is. And the crucified? (laughs) Well, this is all of the stuff that comes from general humanity that is thrown at you because you are speaking the truth. What is it that you experience Therefore, by being crucified, they're thought forms. Some of your karma from past lives. You're like Jesus, where they always want to pick up stones to throw at him because you're speaking the truth. You stand on the cross of martyrdom, you stand on the cross of the crucifixion of your sufferings for the salvation of the many for the sins of the many, because you will not move from that cross until those that are throwing stones have been taught how to love. So you can see that this particular point is the point of the serving initiate, the one whose hand is always extended in order to give, but what they receive Generally is much enmity much hardship and of course the DB attacking them as well in every which way this is the path and then finally the head of this inverted cross which brings the power of divinity right onto the physical plane, into the mental plane really, is the breaker of stones, that which overcomes the world's mental Concepts, erroneous dogmas, doctrines, all of these things, they must be broken. So cosmic energy comes down into the physical plane in order to produce the ending of the world's thought forms, of materialism and the scientific materialism that we know nowadays. Wrong thoughts... And all religious doctrines must be eliminated. thus we have the break of stones. and this is the lowest of the, so it brings it down right into the physical body via the pancreas. And so here we have the the sixteen statements worked out for you on the whole of the of the sixth ray. And I probably haven't been able to give you clearly the the way that the six-ray works through them, except you can find it always. It's a very high, potent energy that works through the six-ray disciple. They have to control energies. And when it comes from the kingdom of God, it produces quite disastrous effects in humanity because they can't control energies. And it affects their emotional body Specifically, and the way that the emotions in the sacral centre are integrated.
1: That list of statements are really fascinating. One the last ten, you know, they had real potency, like each of them. And I think that we we sort of poo poo the emotions and the SP and, and the sixth ray. A bit,
0: but no, you won't anymore. You're I know, anymore.
1: but I've always said this thing, that I'm also very fascinated with it, because you're often talking about this quality of, of love cosmically, you know, is the energy of the SP coming from cosmic sources, the cosmic astral, and it's a really big conundrum? No, I don't know, a big meditation that I've had for years about this whole thing to do with the cosmic astral is just another plane of illusion.
0: No, it's not. It's but, a plane of reality.
1: But the thing is, all question, as you put forth, in, cosmi- in um, um, Secret Doctrine and everything, that the sixth, sixth subplane is a product of humanity. So the sixth cosmic plane, the um, astral cosmically, must be a product of a, a greater... No, right. it's
0: actually where like, uh, the great majority, like our solar system, reside. So it's actually the plane of reality. It may be an illusion from a much higher. That, that's what I mean, like from a real. But you don't even want to think about that level because you don't understand the level of solar logos in the evolution.
1: No, but still, as above, so below. There's still an archetypal resonance that flows it's through all. There's a difference. There's bay. a great
0: difference because um, we make all this astral plane stuff out of our emotions and don't work with this it's, a, it's a, a zone of pure energies if you can think of the astral plane without humanity's involvement then you may get a better idea of the cosmic astral but there is a, obviously a collective vision that they have created and you get that collective vision in the images that humanity have of the constellations like a line with, with the club uh, and you know, yeah. the lions and, pelt and, um, and perfect ro- the imperfect the, gods the raging bull and um, things like that these yeah. are uh, uh, their images when they speak volumes you know, so who can interpret them
1: I certainly see there's a lot of plant kingdom concepts yeah. there like that, that cosmic astral plane represents this Firstly, lusciousness of some sort that of, can be equated somehow to the way and the, the diversity and lusciousness of, of a plant kingdom yeah. or something. So you're
0: learning something. In mm-hmm.
1: an abstract sort of way. Good.